0: I see these moms that are like germ freaks. And I always tell them, like, let him eat the dirt. Let him pick up stuff, let him suck on his fingers dirty. Because the more you wipe him, the more you clean him, the the less likely he's exposed to these early pathogens that you need. you
1: know, I, I think that the dirt bacteria aren't that important. I think what's important are the bacteria you get from your mom, the bacteria that are on your skin, the ones that humans have had for a million years that are disappearing. I think those are the important ones.
2: Okay, welcome to today's show. I've got a special correspondent doing the interview, one of my close friends, Dr. Herman Garcia-Fresco, who is a molecular neurobiologist, and he's going to be uh, interviewing today's guest, Dr. Uh, It's pretty fascinating. i listened to it afterwards, and I think that, I always say in life, there's three outcomes of everything you do. The first one is, it goes as expected. The second is, things go worse than expected. And the ideal, the third, is things go way better than expected. And you'll find that in anything, in a job interview, you know, in, in a date you have with somebody, uh, in a business partnership and in this interview we we're expecting to be good and everybody was like wow it was amazing so have fun listening.
0: Welcome my name is Dr. Fresco I'm here with a very honorable guest Dr. Martin Blazer. We are going to be discussing a best-selling book he's wrote Missing Microbes and how the overuse of antibiotics is fueling modern plagues. Before we go into what we're going to cover, I want to discuss or tell you a little bit about Dr. Blazer. He is the director of the Human Microbiome Project at the NYU School of Medicine. He's been a researcher for over years, has published over 570 articles. He has 28 patents. Um, Dr. Blazer has also served as the president of the Infectious Diseases Society of America Chair of the Board of Scientific Counselors of the National Cancer Institute and Chair of the Advisory Board for Clinical Research of the NIH. So he is also has been featured in the New York Times, uh, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, Good Morning America show, the uh, Today show and National Public Radio. And of course, his publication somewhat hit some of the top journals like Nature. So welcome to the show. We are going to be covering today... Topics such as antibiotics, we're going to be covering how C-sections can affect your microbiome. We're going to be covering uh, diets and how important diets are in the um, balance of your microbiome. And we're going to be covering a very popular topic, which is probiotics and the consumption of them. So welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Tell us a little bit about the Human Microbiome Project. Well, I, then I have to tell you about the human microbiome.
1: So yes. the, the microbiome is all the microbes that live in and on the human body. And that's quite a few. We have about as many microbial cells in our bodies as we have human cells. And that's the way we humans have been ever since, we, ever since the beginning. And all of our other animals are like that too. So we're really a partnership between microbes and us. So the Human Microbiome Project is to try to understand that, figure out what's going on.
0: Is it an accurate statement to say without microbes we wouldn't be able to be alive? Yes,
1: it is an accurate statement. There are some exceptions where you can raise animals without microbes, but it's very artificial. Basically, it's a partnership. Without microbes, we would not exist.
0: Cool. So what
1: got you to write this book? I've been thinking about the ideas in this book for at least ten years, but I was always too busy. And finally, some editors contacted me. They said, "You know, we've read about your work. We think you have a book there." And finally,
0: I just decided I was going to do it. I did it. Oh, good. So, have you won? I know you're a bestseller, and it's been featured every. You've been featured in the New York Times, the Nature, obviously, uh, Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal. He's been in talk shows, Good Morning America. The Today Show, National NPR. Is there any other awards uh, that you achieved with this book? Well, actually, here in L.A., the L.A.
1: Times uh, have have a book prize in science. I, I was one of the finalists. I didn't win the prize, but oh. it was a finalist, so That's that was good. good. And then uh, this year, uh, last year, the, Na- the National Library of Science uh Gave Missing Microbes its uh, its award for the best book in science. Actually, there were three books. Oh wow! For the but, year? Yeah, but there there were three books. This was
0: the only one in translation. The other two were Chinese. Wow, that's that's impressive. That's very. I mean, I like I told you I read the book last year and I, I loved it, uh, especially because I have, you know, and we're going to cover this in in a little bit. This whole conundrum of commercial probiotics and you know, and, and I really want to know. And I've been reading a lot and. There's lots of books that talk about the benefits of taking probiotics, but I I, I want to ha- get your take. Actually, let's cover it now. What's your take on probiotics and prebiotics? Is it is it mainly a scam what you see out there? Is it true that we can increase? Because I, you know, from from reading your book, one of the things you mentioned is that because of time, we've been changing our bodies so much that we've altered our microbiome to the point that it's you know it's not the same as it used to be 50 years ago so my question I guess is can we reverse that can we go back to what it was if what it was is better and are these probiotics and prebiotic drinks and pills and food part of the solution or not Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you ask about 10 questions. Yes. So I'll start start with one. I'll start with one. So as you said, the point is that we evolved in partnership with our microbes. And over these last 50 years, there's evidence that microbes are disappearing. That's why I called it missing microbes. Mm -hmm. They're disappearing. And in the book, I show some of the linkages to problems in health why asthma is rising, why obesity is rising, diabetes, celiac disease, autism, all these diseases are rising. And the hypothesis I raise is it's because we've lost these important microbes. And so now you ask, well, what can we do? What can we do to get them back or to to improve our health? And as you know, as everybody knows, uh, if you go to a supermarket or a health mm-hmm. food store or, or drugstore, there are shelves and shelves filled with items called probiotics. Yep. And in part, it's because we live in a free country. In the United <laughs> yeah, States, yeah. you can sell something uh, as a probiotic, uh, as a dietary supplement. You, you can sell it. Yeah, you can and, white
0: label anything.
1: Right. It doesn't have to be tested. So of those hundreds of different products, there are probably some that work, and there are probably some that don't work but I don't actually know which ones because almost none of them have been tested. So it's, you know, hasn't been tested. Your guess is as good as mine.
0: Now, is there a natural way to do it to increase your, I mean, I know, you know, or people taking yogurt and certain, obviously if you eat more vegetables and there's a lot of things out there that we can, but what's your advice for people? A lot of people are watching this are very into health and, People want solutions. They want real solutions from real scientists, not you know, what we see in TV all day. So what can somebody do to increase their microbiome the right way? Because I'm sure yeah, you I'm can getting, increase your microbiome yeah. by increasing bad bacteria and, and overdominating yeah. others. but yeah.
1: So uh, I can give you two answers. Yes The
0: first answer is
1: that this is what we are doing research about. We and others are doing research. I think there's a great future for probiotics. 10 years from now, we're really gonna know that this organism, this microbe, is really good for this condition. Mm -hmm. But we don't know that yet. But I, I think we're gonna discover them. In the meantime, people have to use common sense. They have to eat good things, they have to eat fiber, they have to eat vegetables, they have to not eat junk food or processed food or Foods that have too much salt or too much sugar. Um, I, I eat yogurt every day. I, I, I actually been eating yogurt
3: since it's, I since I, little was, kid. Yeah. since
1: I was younger than you. And yeah. uh, it's, but I eat it because it's delicious and, and I love it. And I, I have the impression it's good for me, but I don't know. I, I don't know for sure. So I, I think you have to do mostly common sense things. Uh, for example, with food, uh, you know, it's very clear that fiber is really important in food. Foods that have whole grains, vegetables, things. Fiber is good for your gut, no mm-hmm. question about it. It's probably good for your
0: microbiome, too. Okay. So, is it a bad thing, or are we risking our gut again or our microbiome by consuming all these probiotics that are out there without really knowing? are they effective or not? Could they be affecting our bacteria in a, in, in the, in a bad way, you know, reducing the, the real bacteria by increasing yeah. the bad bacteria or eliminating some, keeping it out of balance? <coughs> uh,
1: I, I think that most of them don't have much effect one way or the other. And in fact, that's been shown in studies. that If you, if you drink a probiotic and it has 10 billion organisms of some lactobacillus yeah. or bifidobacterium, something like that, and uh, then you study your poop that day; that those organisms will be there. But the next day, they won't. They're gone, and that's because the bacteria that are in your body—they're not looking for intruders. They get—they get, they get rid of so them. They, they naturally... eliminate. Yeah, they eliminate them. So, mostly, I don't think that they have that much effect.
0: So it's kind of, kind of pointless. Take them or not take them.
1: Well, I. On the other hand, millions of people are taking them.
0: Yes, I mean that's no, I know. for
1: sure they're taking them, and you know sometimes if you feel it makes you better, maybe yeah. it does. But, but that's what but, happens. But that's not science.
0: With the supplement world, is that some sort of fad comes out? It's like now it's the probiotic. You know, I don't know. I'm sure you heard the kale right the the yeah. vegetable kale oh, Kale is very nutritious
1: it got is. a lot of fiber it's got a lot of minerals i mean it's <laughs> kale's
0: good for you there's no question about it is is kale the cure all probably not exactly but that's that what that was what i'm getting as the media and and websites and commercials they all move yeah. something that's it's like oh this yeah. is the best the, the new miracle drug the new miracle vegetable the new miracle right. and i'm like i think people get consumed by these pieces of information that are irrelevant. I always tell people, when, I, when you want to know something, I have this conversation with my wife sometimes. She'll say, um, why don't we eat this with, with this vegetable or let's take this or not that. I'm like, let's go to PubMed, let's look at all the articles that have been published Let's see how much science is real. And then we can say, yes, yeah. this is good or not good. And most people don't do that. I mean, they're not educated to do that. No. And that's, I think, the biggest problem.
1: You know, we, we started this conversation
0: about probiotics. Yes.
1: I'm very interested in the opposite. I'm interested in antibiotics.
0: Yes, we will cover that <laughs> uh, for 100%. But And we can switch. We can go yeah, towards okay. that. So we covered if we can reverse the did, you, did did we really mention can we how to that's that's i think to me is one of the most important questions how can we reverse the effects of the microbiome
1: yeah now so in order to tell you that i have to I have to build some things up okay so let's
0: let's build it up
1: so the other title of uh, of of missing microbes is uh, how the overuse of antibiotics is fueling our modern plagues <coughs> and what what that means is that Oh, about almost 20 years ago, I began to think, maybe all the antibiotics that we're taking, all the antibiotics we're giving to our kids are having uh, effects that we hadn't considered before. Yeah. And one day I was talking to a young doctor about his career and I said to him, I said, well, you know that farmers feed antibiotics to their livestock to fatten them up. Yeah. And just when I said that, it's like a light bulb went off. I thought, wow is it possible that all the antibiotics we're giving to kids are having that same effect as well? And so we started studying it in mice, and we could show that if we
0: gave antibiotics to mice, they became fat, just like the farm animals. Now, farm animals, I'm sure they're feeding them every single day with antibiotics. Are you saying, but the antibiotics we give kids, it might be once or twice or three times every certain amount of years, or you're also counting the antibiotics that are present in the food that we're consuming?
1: Well, so we're doing all kinds of different experiments, mm-hmm. in, and looking at different conditions, just okay. like you say. But on the other hand, there now, in the last five years, there have been 16 studies that have asked the question, if you enroll a cohort <clears throat> of kids at birth, and you follow them for the next 10 years, and then you have records on who, who got antibiotics how many, and how many courses yeah. and when. It turns out that kids who got antibiotics are more likely to be fat when mm. they're 10 or 15 years so old. So there
0: is a correlation.
1: Yeah, right. in 14 of the 16 studies, there's, there's a significant a correlation. And ah. two of them, they say there isn't, but actually if you look at it closely, there is as well. So there's a lot of evidence. Now, that's circumstantial evidence. That's correlative evidence. Yeah. That kids who take a lot of antibiotics, on average, are fatter than kids who don't. But that's why we do experiments in mice, because then we can exactly... No, yeah. Because, as you know, you've done experiments. We can control it so that all the mice... Everything's the same, except one group of mice gets antibiotics and the other doesn't. Everything else is the same.
0: Same diet. The
1: the same genotype of the mice, the same cages, the same food, same water. Everything's the same. The only variable is whether they get antibiotics or not. We can show it changes their metabolism. And and we, we've done a lot of studies on this. Have
0: and, you done studies the same where instead of feeding them every day with antibiotics, you feed them every... We,
1: we've given Comparable them, to a lifespan right, of right. humans. We've given them pulses of antibiotics, yeah. like based on... What would, what would be the mouse equivalent of yeah, the yeah. antibiotics that, that parents use to treat their kid's ear infection or mm-hmm. their throat infection? So we, we've done those kinds of studies too. And it, cha- it changes their metabolism. It changes, so their, those, imu- those it also changes their immunity as well. And that's, yeah. that's a, a kind of new area that we're quite interested in. Wow. So. So, so the thing is that all of us, may you, everybody, we have been taking antibiotics for granted we think that these are miraculous <clears throat> drugs that are life-saving, so we're just using
0: them all the time. And the, the rate at which we're using them is phenomenal. Well, I find, too, and my, my wife's a dentist, and she, she's always opposed to antibiotics. Mm-hmm. She only gives it, but I've talked to doctors where they tell me, if I don't prescribe an antibiotic when there's an infection, even if I don't want to, if something ever comes back, then I'm liable. Yeah. So they're
1: they're worried about the liability. And, and it, but you see, in part, we got ourselves into this trap yeah. because we're looking only at the benefits of the antibiotics. We're not looking at the risk. Yeah. And there's more and more evidence that there is risk. No. So. I, I, If somebody has a terrible, life-threatening infection, they must get antibiotics, there's no question. I'm a specialist in infectious diseases. There's no question they have to have antibiotics. But there's a big gray area. And different doctors cut that gray in different places. There, there was a study, this actually came out after the book, but there was a study looking at 29 pediatric practices in Philadelphia associated with the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, one of the best hospitals <clears throat> in, in the world for kids. And in those 29 practices, they compared the rate that doctors prescribed antibiotics in one practice versus another. And if you compared the practice that prescribed the least and the practices that prescribed the most, the variation was 100%. Wow, hundred percent. And in just about every study of doctors and dentists, there's enormous variation in how they're prescribing antibiotics.
0: Yeah, I, I just think you know it's it's a shame that, not a shame. I, I understand, and you're a physician as well, so I understand. If as a physician, you have to cover yourself. I, I guess they say, you know what? I rather give them the antibiotic because. I know I'm not going to get in trouble for it. Then, if I don't, and I do, and right, right. I so, wish we, it right. could so, be reversed.
1: Right. So the, what they're not counting are all those These. small side effects oh, yeah. that happen maybe some years later. Um, that in net, I, I'm pretty sure that in net, uh, in many cases, we're doing more harm than good.
0: Yeah. And no. Th- I, I, that, and I, I
1: that's agree one of the, that's one of the reasons that I wrote Missing Microbes is because I've been talking about this to doctors and scientists now for years, but I wanted to talk to the regular public, to people, moms who have yeah. kids uh, oh, who, um, who have a sore throat or an ear infection, and sometimes um, the doctor says, let's wait, and the mom says, no, let's get an antibiotic, but I, I want them to understand that there's, there's risk there. It, I think that every time we take an antibiotic, especially in childhood, in, in young kids, we increase the risk of obesity, of, of juvenile diabetes, of asthma. There's more and more evidence that that's true. So at some point, the indication for the antibiotic is so marginal that the the, the risk is greater than the benefit.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like um, a little bit compared I, I, with Alzheimer's, right? People don't really worry about Alzheimer's till it's kind of too late. It's all your life habits, everything you've done in your life that eventually leads to having higher chances of having Alzheimer's. It's kind of the same thing. It's like you take all these antibiotics now when you're a little kid, your parents give it to you, but they don't realize that 15, 20 years from now, it did have an effect. And unfortunately, now with Alzheimer's, there's a lot of things that now we know that we can teach, you know, like I teach my kids now and I tell them, You need to work out. You need to do this. You need to eat healthy in order to have a...
1: You know, young kids who are smoking, they're not thinking that, you know, 40 years from now, I'm going to get Alzheimer's. But smoking increases the risk. Oh, yeah. So,
0: So, yeah, so in the sense, unfortunately, because there is no, the data is not completely out there that says, hey, consuming all these many antibiotics when you're young, it's going to cause all these things when you're older. Right which there's some because so, so you've done we, some right. of those studies. We but have
1: and others haven't. There's a lot of stuff coming up, but I, I don't want to wait, starting... wait 20 years. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Because that's why I wrote Missing Microbes is to yeah. talk to people today so people and say know. for your choice, you say, what can we do? The first thing we can do is avoid harm, is, is minimize the harm. Now, right. sometimes, again, people are really sick. They have to have antibiotics,
0: but that's the minority of cases, So would you say antibiotics is the number one culprit of eliminating the bacteria that we have in our bodies? to the point where we lose it and it's kind of gone?
1: Uh, I, I think that it's cumulative. I think that a lot of things add so up a, to this. For example, one of the chapters in the book is about cesarean sections. Mm-hmm. So it turns out that when babies are born, they go through the birth canal. They pick up their mom's microbes. That's the way humans have been doing it since, yep. since time of more In fact, every, that's how every mammal gives birth, through, through a birth yeah. canal. They, they get, the young ones get their mom's microbes that way. Well, with cesarean sections, that doesn't happen. It used to be cesarean sections. They with, make more money with cesarean sections. Cesarean sections used to be 5% of births, 10%. Today in the United States, oh, it's, it's 32% of births. One baby out of three is born by C-section. Yeah. In China, in Shanghai, it's 50%. In, wow. in Brazil, in, in Rio, it's like 80%. Wow, it's a, that's I mean, crazy. It is crazy. And But no one ever thought that there that it might have the side effect of not transferring the normal microbes from one generation to the other. Yeah. So well, it's so many eat. so many things are happening simultaneously and they're washing babies <clears throat> tremendously.
0: They're washing
1: off a lot of the natural bacteria.
0: Oh yeah, it's I see there's I see these moms that are like germ freaks and I always tell them like let him eat the dirt. Let him pick up stuff, let him suck on his fingers dirty yeah. because by the more you wipe him, the more you clean him. the, yeah. the less likely he's exposed to these early pathogens that you yeah, need. Yeah,
1: you know, I, I think that the dirt bacteria aren't that important. I think what's important are the bacteria you get from your mom, the bacteria that are on your skin, the ones that humans have had for a million years that are disappearing. I think those are the important ones. The, the ones you, you get from the dirt, they don't last very long in you either. Okay. Just like the probiotic. It's really the ancient
0: organisms that we inherited that are going away. Sounds good. Now, when you say, so when you come out of the womb and you're covered in this bacteria, that, that layer of bacteria stays on with you for how long?
1: Well, it, it's not just, it's covering you, the babies swallow it. it uh-huh. uh, it's in their mouth,
0: it's in their- Oh, body. so as, as it's coming out, yeah. they're also swallowing a lot of yeah. that bacteria. Yeah, so they're- So they're, with they're, C-section, they're, they don't, you don't give them that chance. They, they get very different bacteria. And that just that small time exposure of minutes coming out. Well, it's not, labor actually takes hours, usually. W- yeah. well, right. well, I'm based it in it on my
1: wife was pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, well, it but, probably wasn't as quick as you thought. Um, but, but the point but is- But even, even if it's hours. Yeah, but you're right. But the, but the thing is, the baby in the womb is sterile. And, and when yeah. the water breaks, that's it when, the baby's, that's when yeah. the baby's introduced to the world of bacteria. And so as they go through labor and again it's not just humans. It's like every mammal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the definition of a mammal. It's you're born in a womb and, and you're you're born live. We're not born out of
0: eggs or Yeah. Well, for those of you watching, make sure you don't have a C section. <laughs> well, again, unless people weren't there there
1: are Absolute reasons for C-sections, but it's gone it's yeah, but gone, but it's now the roof.
0: There is lots of people that don't really need it, but they're like, it's easier. It's, you know, the doctor convinced them because I, I truly believe there's some doctors that are there for the money. It's kind of like, see, you know, my wife says she sees that a lot in the dental world where it's like, you don't really need a crown, but let's give you a crown, you know, and it happens. So I'm sure there's uh, unethical doctors out there that they see a dollar sign and they know they're not going to get in trouble for doing a C section and they just do it. That's why I want to educate
1: the public. Yes. I want the public to understand well, that some of these things have risks, risks that we weren't taking into account before.
0: In order for this to change, it is the public. It's the public, it's just like the kale or the probiotics make it to the everybody's ears. This is the type of information that once it starts getting I I guarantee that some people that are watching this Eventually, will remember and I'll say nope, no C section for me. And and well, it's just that
1: this is a cost of C section that nobody was calculating. Yeah. And the same thing with antibiotics, nobody was really understanding that antibiotics could have these effects. But you know, antibiotics are such powerful drugs. Nope. That it would be surprising
0: if they didn't. Back to antibiotics in food. Mm -hmm. Do the antibiotics present in food from antibiotics-treated animals affect our bodies? Maybe not the same way, but in a way, other antibiotics affect our our, our system? Like, does it have an effect? Is it better to eat non-antibiotic cow meat, say, versus one treated with antibiotics? Well,
1: let me go back a couple steps and say that 70 years ago, agricultural scientists figured out that if they fed antibiotics to farm animals, they would gain weight faster. It's what's called growth promotion. And the reason they do it so much is because it works. It works in chickens and turkeys and cows and pigs and sheep. It's kind of a universal practice. And so for decades, farmers have been putting antibiotics. the, the law in the country, in the, the Food and Drug Administration has a law that says if you give antibiotics to your farm animals and you're going to sell them, you, there has to be a period of time when you stop before you sell the animals, a period of, of washout. But there have been surveys in supermarkets that show that they can detect antibiotic residues in some proportion of the milk, of the meat. So not every farmer is is adhering to it. It's actually better than it was 20 years ago. But the other thing is that some of these farms are using so much antibiotics that the antibiotics are getting into the groundwater. Mm. And and there are some cities whose water intake is downstream of the effluent from these farms. So there's antibiotics in the drinking water. <laughs> That's, it's particularly bad in China because they're using so many antibiotics there. They can measure antibiotics in the drinking water of Shanghai, big, the biggest city in China. <laughs> they, they can measure antibiotics there. So... I think to a, to some degree, all of us are being exposed to antibiotics in our water, in our food, to very low doses of antibiotics. And I, I don't know what the effect of that is. Maybe there's no effect. Maybe there is. It, it Actually, we need to find out because the exposure is in the millions. And it's the kind of thing where people could be exposed every day.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, again, there's a huge movement where it's like, you know, and, and of course they charge you ten times more the non-antibiotic-fed cow than the one that. Well, you know, it's interesting because some of
1: the big chicken producers are now move. They they've heard the consumers, and they're now moving to antibiotic-free chickens. They yeah. after raising them for <clears throat> fifty years with antibiotics, they're developing ways so they don't have to, and um, they can sell that that chicken meat at a premium. Uh, it's not 10 times more, but it's more. Yeah,
0: so. yeah, no. I, I say 10, first, but it is more expensive. Right, right. But you, you see, the use of antibiotics
1: on the farm is a kind of false economy because we save a few cents on the price of meat, but we, we may pay for it in other ways.
0: Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. Long term, which yeah. is worse. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. So the only way that antibiotic-fed animals wouldn't really affect us as if they were left long enough in order for them to flush it out of their system. But the problem is we don't know. By mm. law, they're supposed to. They're supposed to. But, but like not you said, everybody follows some, the law. Yeah. So unless we know they're following the law, Now, it turns it's out a that
1: a year ago, the United States banned the use of antibiotics for growth promotion. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was banned. In Europe, they did it about 15 years earlier. And what happened is that farmers stopped using it for growth promotion, but they started using it because they said, oh, well, we have some sick cows. We have some sick animals. So we're going to treat everybody in the herd, you know, for the next, Just in case. The, for the next four months. <laughs> so at, at first, antibiotic use on the farm didn't drop. But now in Europe, it's starting to drop. So it takes time.
0: Now, is there a correlation between less use of antibiotic in animals and people's, not the, you know,
1: I, I think there's no studies the, like that? The, the stronger correlation is people taking antibiotics themselves or yeah. p- parents giving antibiotics to their kids.
0: Okay. All right, um, anything else you wanna add on that?
1: Well, I, I want to add something, one of the first things you said, okay. which is how are we going to get this stuff back? Oh, yes.
0: How, how are 100%. we going to?
1: So, so can uh, we see, reverse see, the effect? See, so if, if we started using antibiotics more prudently, if we started using it better, and, and you know, most authorities th- think that somewhere between 30%, 50 70% of antibiotics are, are unnecessary. But if we cut out all the unnecessary antibiotics, then we would still be where we are today we just wouldn't be getting worse. Mm. We, ha- we have to do something to-,
0: to Way more, yeah. We, we have What's to the so- average usage of antibiotics per person mm-hmm. in the lifetime of a person in, in America, let's yeah, say? Do yeah. you have that number? I what? do, I do, because the, the Center for Disease Control has been That's studying a, okay. that. And uh,
1: in 2010, they, uh, they have data that um, there were 258 million prescriptions for courses of antibiotics in the United States that 's in a population of three hundred million people that that was eight hundred and thirty three courses per thousand people per year Wow. that 's five courses That's, for every six people per year and it 's been going on almost year, one per person almost per one year. per year and it 's been going on year after year it's it 's related to age in young kids it 's the highest' it 's yeah. almost one point four courses a year. Uh, and then it goes down in young adults, and then it comes up in older people. But there are big regional differences. In the, in the East and in the Northeast, it's about the national average. In the West, it's, it's about 650 courses per thousand. Uh, and in the South, it's, it's 900 and something courses per thousand. So the South is using... 50, is it a
0: weather-related thing, no,
1: or...? The South is using 50% more antibiotics per capita than the West. But there's no fifty percent difference in serious infections. Huh. It's difference in culture. It's just and cultural. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And and in, in Europe there's a big north south gradient also, uh, and it's it's culture. It's not. Uh, and if it's you look, it's not weather dependent If you yeah. look at Sweden and Norway and Denmark, three countries that are very similar. Norway and Den- and Sweden are about similar in antibiotic use, and Denmark uses twice as much. We don't know why. Different culture. Culture, yeah. It could be the the way their doctors have been trained. Exactly. No difference in serious infections. Huh. How do you fix it? Well, again, for uh, me, I'm trying to educate doctors. and I mean, I'm part of a big campaign. Are doctors
0: receptive to it or they're like,
1: ah, yeah, yeah, but whatever? Doctors are receptive to the idea. They know it. It's just that, as you say, they're afraid to be on the line. They they don't want to make a mistake.
3: So if you're interested in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and wanna learn how to make money with Bitcoin, I'm opening up a brand new Bitcoin crypto academy for you. Crypto is starting to fundamentally change everything from currencies to the very structure behind the internet. And if you don't understand it, you will be left behind. To understand bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and the blockchain and to make money with it so to sign up for my new bitcoin crypto academy and learn how to invest how to make money in this new exciting space i'm going to open up room for a few of you to have early access to the new online mentor mastermind so go to tylopez.com podcast to learn more so i'm testing the mastermind so i'm just going to let a few of you in at a low price
0: But what about in other countries? Because you know, other countries where they're not so sue happy. Yeah.
1: Well, I can tell you that in Sweden, where people are about as healthy as we are, maybe more healthy, they're using forty percent of the antibiotics we use. Forty. So that means that sixty percent of the antibiotics we're using a priori aren't necessary.
0: Now, when you say forty-sixty, it's only for humans, right? Not for livestock. I'm just talking, I'm just talking okay. prescriptions yeah, per, per capita yeah.
1: in humans at every age. And it's not just in yeah, young yeah, yeah. kids. At every age, Ever- Swedish doctors are using, I think they're, they're exercising better judgment on average than U.S. doctors. We, we've grown up in a, in a, under an antibiotic umbrella where we think antibiotics are going to cure cover everything and cure everything. But we're not paying attention to
0: what it's costing. And I bet you part of it is because in Sweden they, they don't get sued for everything like Could be. It
1: happens that, here. That, certainly that would be part of it. So, getting back to the point, yes. how are the, we going to give the, back the, the, the most important give, how point? How back do we get to the missing back? microbes? And that's, that's what we do research on.
0: Because we're talking, how many microbes we have? Uh, trillions. Huh?
1: We have trillions, but let's just say that the average person has a few thousand different species. A few thousand different species. Right. So, how many species are out there?
0: collectively in humans uh thousands but your species aren't the same as mine that's what i mean yeah so by species you mean different strains or different species species altogether bigger than strains so altogether different species different species you
1: know i talk about it in in missing microbes because my wife from venezuela went into the amazon Mm -hmm. to study the people who are living there who haven't had antibiotics who haven't had she's a scientist too she's a scientist Uh, and she, she just went to Rutgers University as the Henry Rutgers Professor of the Microbiome. Oh, cool. So, she, she's, so she's, and I, I carry her bags. When, <laughs> so uh, when she studies people out in the jungle and compares how many different species they have to us, they have twice as many. Oh. It implies that we have lost half of our diversity. Hers were really the first studies. Others have found the same thing. And so people in Italy, in Japan, in the United States, we have low diversity. People in the jungles, in Africa, and in, in Latin America, even though they live continents apart, they have
0: much more diversity. They're more similar to each other. Is it safe to say that we need less diversity in the cities than that we they would in the jungle.
1: I don't. Or? I don't. That's a good. It's an interesting point. I'm not sure that we need less diversity, but I can tell you that we have less diversity. And my point is that that's where the epidemics are coming from. That's why people are getting. Obese. So you see
0: more epidemics here than you see in the jungle. That's right.
1: More asthma. More more anything. I'm I'm not saying that we should move back to the jungle. And I'm not yeah, saying we, should, no, no, we no. should give up antibiotics at yeah. all. We need them. They're vital drugs. We have to use them better. And we have to figure out how can we give back the microbes that we've lost. That's really the
0: challenge in these next couple decades. So, so you, we haven't figured out how to get... So the, the main question here, which is, can we reverse this effect? We still don't know how.
1: We don't. Really. Actually... Again, I'm plugging my wife because she's, she's sure. done great stuff. So she did some of the original work on C-sections, mm-hmm. showing that babies born by C-section are different than babies not born by C-section. And so then she did an experiment, a human trial, where for, she had three groups of, of moms and babies, moms with scheduled C-sections, moms who gave birth vaginally normally. And then there was a group of moms who gave birth by C-section and they had a swab in their vagina and they swabbed the baby so that they could see, could they replenish some of those organisms? And she she showed in a paper that was published in Nature Medicine, a very high caliber journal, uh, that she could get at least partial restoration.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Now, how long does it Last, that well, in that, study, How long was it in that study, they only
1: followed it for a month, mm-hmm. but they showed evidence that it's back. She's now doing a study looking out to a year, inter- and yeah. she has evidence that, that some of these organisms are persisting, that it does make a difference. The real question is, will it make a health difference? Hmm. will those kids, i mean there's independent literature that kids born by c-section have more juvenile diabetes they have more celiac disease they they get uh, obesity more so the question is will it reduce will if you restore their microbes will will you reduce that heightened risk we don't know yet but that's that's the kind of study that needs to be done but that
0: would be awesome it it seems like it would based on has the to, preliminary studies It has to, studies, has to be studied but it's, uh, that's, that's great. There, there's some, it's an there's easy some, solution. There's some backlash among
1: doctors. There's some obstetricians who are very unhappy about this. Why? Uh, I, it beats <laughs> they say it's not safe, it's not natural, but, you know... Well, well it, it's
0: not natural uh, to, to get him me, from you're, you're, C-section. You can get somebody be,
1: else on your show to yeah, discuss it. Uh, but uh, yeah, every yeah. baby born vaginally, it, there's risk from the mom's uh, uh, germs. But... This is the way we've been doing it for the last million years or so. I bet you those are doctors that
0: like to do C-sections. Could be. <laughs> wow, that's... A, is there any other... So that's one way, which I love the idea, and it seems simple, too. It's yeah. just a swabbing a, yeah. a kid after yeah. they're born.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so, so we're doing a lot of work on juvenile diabetes, mm-hmm. so
1: what's called type 1 diabetes. Yeah. That's in what's called an autoimmune disease. There's something happens... And, yeah the lymphocytes attack the pancreas and they destroy it and now the child needs insulin for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. The thing about juvenile diabetes is that it's increasing dramatically. It's doubling every 20 or 25 years. And so something very strong environmentally is going on. And Mm -hmm. there has been work on antibiotics. We've done work in mice showing that if we give mice antibiotics, we can push them over the edge to get more type 1 diabetes. So we're trying to understand what are... When, we, when the antibiotics affect their microbiome, what are the bad bacteria? What are the good bacteria? And we're hoping to use these kinds of studies to help us identify good bacteria. My dream is that one day we will give kids certain bacteria back to prevent juvenile diabetes. Wow. My, my hope is that we're going to understand this soon enough during my lifetime. You'll see it. I will see it, that we will give this back and it will be a broad preventive. Just like today, we give kids vaccines to help them prevent very serious infection. This is the opposite. We're going to give them microbes to prevent certain uh, uh, inflammatory diseases like juvenile diabetes.
0: Hmm. That would be great. (laughs) I I hope so. Let's talk about, there's a a lot of confusion It's not confusion, but there's a lot of times where doctors confuse a bacterial infection with a viral infection. And I've seen, I've had that happen in my family so many times where I go to the doctor and I'm like, I think this is viral. And they prescribe an antibiotic. I'm like, I don't, you know, I ignore it or sometimes I don't, but... Do you see this as a problem, too, where people are getting confused with the the effects of a, a viral infection where an antibiotic is going to have zero? Sure.
1: Well, you see, the, the problem is there's a lot of overlap between viral infections and bacterial infections. And the child who's ill doesn't come in with a sign, yeah, you know, says, I have a viral I have a, infection. Yeah. I have a, so the doctor has to use their judgment. As I said, in Sweden, they're using their judgment, and a lot fewer kids are coming out with antibiotics. In the U.S., There's a lot of variation between doctors. Some doctors prescribe antibiotics for every child. Some prescribe it much less. We have to educate the doctors. Let me go back a step and tell you that one of the problems about overusing antibiotics is that uh, when we overuse them, we increase antibiotic resistance. Mm And they, that the antibiotics won't work as well as they yeah, used then to. Yeah, and you need higher and that's, doses. And that's, right, and that's happening. We, we know that resistance is growing. But when you tell a mother who's got a screaming child, this is going to increase resistance, the mom doesn't care that much. She just cares about the health of her child. Uh, so she'll say, I'll, I'll take the antibiotic. Resistance, that's a problem for, for other kids. But... You know, if, if the evidence were such that you said to the mom, you know, you, we could give you an antibiotic, but every time you take the antibiotic, it will increase the chance that your child will get juvenile diabetes, obesity, asthma, you know, by 1% or 2%, then maybe the mom will say, well, you know, let's wait another day. I've and the never, doctor
0: will say. I've never had a doctor say anything remotely yep. close to that right, before right. prescribing any antibiotic. Right.
1: They Not even they, mentioning it. Right. The, they, they, about haven't, they haven't yet but that's where the data that's where the
0: evidence is going it's going yeah
1: there was a study in denmark that showed that uh, the taking antibiotics increased the risk that kids would get inflammatory bowel disease and they calculated that each course of antibiotics increased the risk by 14% that's still it's an uncommon thing so th- that that big increase isn't as dramatic as you may may think but the point is they they can already measure the effect
0: now is there a uh, uh A wait time you would recommend for somebody to, let's say, my child, and this is for people watching, basically, my child has fallen in with a, you can tell he has an ear infection or how long would you say, let's wait a week, let's wait four days, what what would you recommend before going to the doctor that you know that's going to give you an antibiotic? You know, um...
1: It's not such an easy question to answer, but the main, que- the main answer is, that's why we have doctors. Mm-hmm. It's not up to the parent. Yeah, of course. Shouldn't decide my child needs an antibiotic. The parent should say, my child is sick enough that I need to s- get a doctor's judgment. And so my child's sick enough, I'm going to take him to the doctor. And now the doctor's going to have to decide, is this child sick enough to get an antibiotic or not? it's it's really not the parents responsibility they they're they're, they're not doctors no
0: they, i they agree but we we're also in agreement that but so but if the doctor
1: does a careful exam and says your child doesn't need an antibiotic that that parent should say great i'm happy they're not that sick yeah. rather than say no you know they have to have an antibiotic so they can go back to school or to daycare or yeah. you know whatever so so parents should be happy
0: when they say no. I, I, I don't I, want to prescribe antibiotics. My antibiotic. goal is for
1: doctors to do more careful exams on patients, especially children. And our system is is completely backwards. We're we're trying to get doctors to see patients every five minutes. You yeah. know, it, it, it's just it's completely backwards. It's also a false economy. Doctors need to spend the time. They really need to examine kids, and then they'll say, you know. Your child isn't that sick. They're going to get better by themselves. And if they don't, you come back and see me again.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I grew up in, in, in Argentina. And over there, we used to have a family doctor that would come to our house, You know, kind of like you see in the movies with his little briefcase. And it was a lot more personal. When I came to America, one of the things that shocked me the most is that the doctor-patient relationship was so cold, you could say, so... There's no connection. There's no, like, they don't know anything about you other than here's the chart. You know, the nurse comes, she does all the vitals. The doctor comes, let me see, open your mouth. Okay, here's your antibiotic. Yeah, so, so,
1: right. So the system. And and uh, most, uh, you know, I'm a doctor. Yeah. Most doctors who I know are very well meaning people. They are trying to do the best for their patients. Yeah, no, no, I'm not. This, but we have engineered a system that is really going in the wrong direction. Yeah, yeah, it and that's what really I mean. Going, and it's not getting any better. Now, doctors spending half the time at the computer, you know, punching in the information
0: nope, yeah. rather than talking to the patient, examining the patient. And that's where I was going. If doctors would go back to that... Let's have a conversation with this patient and the family yeah. you know, and the, the, educate them. This
1: is a societal problem. Mm-hmm. We, we, we have created this. And by the way, it's not just in the U.S., in, in Europe, in South America. It's, oh, it's yeah, Argentina family.
0: changed, too. When yeah. I said I grew up that way, I didn't mean yeah. that yeah. Argentina is better.
1: This kind of stuff's happening all over the world where we've become intoxicated with technology. We've fallen in love with it. We think that's the solution. And it's part of the solution. But we need more careful exams. And, and you know, if you examine kids carefully, you will find that most of them do not need antibiotics. And you'll be able to say, this child definitely needs antibiotics. This child definitely does not. Here are some in the, in the middle. If they don't get better, come back tomorrow. We've been using antibiotics as if they had no cost. Yeah, no yeah, biological yeah, yeah. cost. So we'll just say, well, we're not sure, so we'll just throw some antibiotics and, on. And that's what but, I feel But happens. we're learning that there is a cost.
0: Yeah. And that's what I feel, and, and thanks to people like you, which are finding those causes and effects, is what is gonna help this change. Because I, I always felt that way. It's like, ah, if anything, take an antibiotic, you know? And in my, at least in my households, we always try to you, you know, avoid it as much as we can.
1: In the last couple of years, there've been two very big studies in Europe, one in England and one in Denmark, looking at adults Each study had more than a million people in the study. Wow. And they asked, they compared people who have diabetes. Now, this is adult-onset diabetes. They compared people with diabetes and people who don't have diabetes. And they asked, who, who had more antibiotics recently? And they found that the people who had diabetes had more, even 15 years prior. Even 15 years prior. So a body of evidence is coming out that antibiotics are changing metabolism in adults as well
0: but we don't still there's no mechanism to show
2: what how well, is it
0: doing it people are working on it, it's happening through the
1: microbiome it's happening through changes in the microbiome we don't understand it yet and again this has not filtered down to the average doctor it hasn't mm-hmm. filtered down at all but i'm i think that 5 or 10 years from now this will become part of the conventional wisdom people will so understand that even in adults taking an antibiotic uh, confers risk of added risk of other diseases diseases that are not anticipated
0: that's when you do your number two book (laughs) and tell everybody again um great uh let me see what other questions i have for you um we talked about the antibiotics on food uh the we talked about the viral, the pre- and
1: probiotics. We, we need better diagnostics, we, definitely. We, we need to have a diagnostic that when the, the sick person is in the doctor's office, they can say, this is a viral infection, this is a bacterial infection. We, we pretty much have the technology to do it. But, you know, let's say the test costs $500. Mm. And the doctor says, well, why should I use a $500 test when I can just treat with a $5 antibiotic? So the, again, the the market forces are all. No,
0: is that the doctor now or the insurance company? It, it's
1: everybody combined. Everybody it's, combined. The system. We don't recognize the cost to the real cost to society of all those inappropriate uses of antibiotics. If we costed it out, we would see that a five dollar antibiotic course is a false economy.
0: Yeah, because that that five dollar antibiotic probably costs in the lifetime you know hundreds and thousands. Yeah, you so know, if, somebody if, if, if that has if diabetes. Da- or- that's right. If these data about obesity and asthma are correct, what,
1: what are the lifetime costs of having obesity, of having asthma? And if, if each cost uh, increases the risk yeah, by 1% or 2%.
0: Billions. Yeah. In billions.
1: So, so we should... Uh, I, I'm on a national commission about this, and, and we have said we need to develop new diagnostics so that we can give doctors the tools they need so that they can make better decisions. The the tools are not will not never substitute for clinical judgment, but they will help. Yeah. It helps to have good tools, just like it helps to have an x-ray. Helps to have good tools.
0: And especially in a fast-paced system like we have today, the more tools you have to disposal, the better judgment you're gonna make when you make that final. So here is a question from the audience. And the question is. Here's a question from the audience. This is about shopping. When you go to the supermarket, what should somebody look for in order to increase the likelihood of turning back that um, effect on the microbiome change? Yeah, yeah. I know you mentioned lots of fibers.
1: Yeah, yeah, so I think there are two parts to this, two parts to the answer. One is avoid further damage. And the other is see if you can build up the good guys. So avoid further damage. So a lot of uh, foods in the store have preservatives. Mm-hmm. The preservatives were designed to improve shelf life mm-hmm. so that you can keep a box of cereal in the yeah, store for a year. Of, yeah. But the question is, what is the preservative doing to our microbiome? The, this was never really studied. Are there studi-
0: there, is there no has, studies?
1: I mean, these are, these are basically all the preservatives are antibacterials. So... I, yeah, I try, eat. and I tell the people I care about, try to avoid processed foods. So it's almost like an antibiotic. It, they're they're antibacterial. Yeah. I mean, all the antibacterial soaps that people yeah. are using, uh, they've sold billions of these antibacterial soaps without any evidence that this really improves health. It can, during flu season, it can decrease transmission of flu, but that's a certain period of time, et cetera. But otherwise, antibacterial soaps as far as I'm concerned, have no health benefit yeah. and probably some health health risk. Soaps and other antibacterial lotions. Just about everywhere you go, there's yeah. a bottle of an antibacterial. I know, and you see that in school now. Yeah, At everywhere. In school, and it's like, it so, yeah, doesn't people, change anything. Yeah, people have, uh, are making a lot of money out of germophobia. So, so half the answer is avoid the things that are doing further damage. And the good things are... Uh, yeah, I, I eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, things that do have those microbes from the bur- from uh, uh, fiber. That will help us have a healthier gut.
0: Tell people, so they get an idea. I, I remember I took microbiology in, in, in college. How fast do these bacterial populations reproduce in millions? Because I, I used to tell people, I'm like, you, you wash your hands with an antibacterial... And in not too long of a time, a period of time, you're, you'll have all that back again, so it's kind of pointless, yeah. you're just. Well, you know, part of it
1: that people, I think people kind of intuitively get this, but you have to say it specifically, and that is that our body is full of good bacteria, and the good bacteria fight the bad bacteria. Mm-hmm. That's part of why we have them, that's, that, that's their benefit. So if we're getting rid of the good bacteria, are we doing more harm or more good? So we don't want to get rid of the good bacteria. Okay. You didn't answer my question, though. How fast, oh, how fast? do these populations... Okay. They come back very fast. <laughs> they, they, I mean, bacteria... Some, some of the bacteria double every 12 minutes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, many bacteria double every 12, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. So you do the math, you, you can get to very high numbers in a short
0: time. Yeah. Do you have anything that you would want to add to complete the... Uh, this, this, has be- this has become my
1: passion. The reason I wrote Missing Microbes is to tell regular people tell the world. Ab- about what we have inadvertently been doing. We, we've been trying to maximize health, but we are, we are really opening the door for, for some bad things. And, and writing Missing Microbes is to try to get people to, and society in general to move in a better direction.
0: What would be three pieces of advice for the people watching, they would say, at least do these three things and you'll be better off. I know one of them is going to be avoid antibiotics. That'll probably be your number one. Well... When when it could be avoided.
1: You know, I would say work with your doctor. Work with your healthcare provider. And if the doctor says you don't need antibiotics, you should be happy. Not
0: say, okay... But how do you know... Yes, I understand. How do you know if I go to the doctor and I say, "Well, I, I'm trying to avoid an antibiotic," but well, the doctor because, because
1: many times the doctor thinks that you want an antibiotic. That's, That's what I'm saying. They so think the- you've come there so that you'll get an antibiotic, and many people go there so that the doctor will give them an antibiotic. And so, if I mean, there, there's this tension. There's this. There's yeah. this drama, and. If I just talk to the doctors, that's not going to be enough. If people keep thinking that antibiotics are the panacea, then they're just going to keep asking. It. And if you don't give it, then another doctor will give it. So I want people to understand that antibiotics have cost. And and when they're necessary... Long-term you, you, cost. Yeah, that's right. When they're necessary, you must use them. But that's a medical decision. And uh,
0: many times they're not necessary. So the advice here would be, have a conversation with your doctor. Yes. Don't go there That's saying, right. "Hey, I'm sick. Give me my antibiotic." Or yes. we'll expect your yes. antibiotic. Yeah. Talk to him and see. Yes. Let him know that you're okay if you're not going to yeah. take your antibiotic.
1: Yeah. Uh, the second thing is this idea about C-sections. C-sections have biological cost. It's not not just financial cost, yeah. which is something, but there's biological cost. C-section. You know, the doctor says you have to have a C-section. You should say.
0: Is it, or is it necessary? Are we
1: sure that it's necessary? It's not just convenience or. or so that's
0: whatever. a two for one there because you're going to save money because it's cheaper. And two, you're benefiting your baby, oh. basically.
1: You know, countries like, you know, again, Sweden, their, their C section rate's 14%. Ours is 32%.
0: And you said the highest was in Brazil, about eighty percent. That's in crazy. Rio, in some in, Rio. So, in
1: Rome also. It's about eighty percent in some urban populations. It's like an epidemic of C sections. Huh. It's amazing. Is it
0: economical, or is it it's
1: a? It's, a, a, it's, it's, it's a combination of factors. People think it's less pain. It's easier. The doctors like it because it's scheduled. The hospitals like it because it's scheduled. It's, mm. it's better reimbursed. Uh, so there, there are a lot of things that have kind of pushed us in that direction. Nobody was thinking, are there health consequences? But on the other hand, you could say, well, if we've been doing something, you know, for a million years and now we change it, what's the chance that that it's all going to be fine? Sometimes C-sections are life-saving. There's no question about it. It's like many things. We're just, we take something that's good and we overdo it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we see that a lot.
0: Yeah, I agree. And let's go on
1: number three. Number three, uh, eat a healthy diet. Eat a healthy
0: diet. Uh, eat yeah. a healthy diet, common sense.
1: You know, you know what a healthy diet is. Do yes,
0: it. avoid McDonald's, although McDonald's does have some salads now to, to over, <laughs> overcome
1: uh, it. I try, I, I try not to talk <laughs> about name brands. You, I tell you, eat a healthy diet, you yeah. guys can figure it out.
0: So with healthy diet, we mean lots of vegetables, not so much processed foods. No no processed food. Whole grains, whole grains. And processed food is basically, you probably agree with me, almost anything that comes in a pack that's sitting on a shelf, it has it's processed food. Any chips, any cakes. Cakes have a lot of, uh, of, yeah, of you,
1: preservatives. You read the ingredients. It's, it's a little yeah. shocking. Well,
0: that's, here's another problem that uh, most people in the world have is they do not know how to read food labels. So one of the things I do is I, I do teach a lot on how to read food labels on how they cheat you. Like companies cheat you with the, you know, with the front cover, it says organic or it says fat free, or it says all these things, but then you read the back and it has 20 other things that you don't want to eat. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, yeah, great. You took the fat out, but you added all these preservatives. You put 30 grams of sugar in it. You did all this stuff. And so I'm still eating crap and part of my English, but so make sure you read the labels. And if you don't know how to read the labels, there's lots of information out there on, on the web that tells you exactly how to read labels. Also make sure when you are reading the labels to realize the portions and the calories based on that diet, because you everybody's different. So keep mind of that. And, and, and this is not topic of conversation here, but... Any final comments you would want to add, Dr. Blazer? Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you, too. It was a pleasure. Again, we are here with Dr. Martin Blazer. He wrote this wonderful book, Missing, Missing Microbes, and you can find it on Amazon and probably everywhere on the web. It's a great book. I 100% vouch for it because I read it last year because I am very interested in this topic as well. And thank you for having Right you here and have a great day.